1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 11 uh, this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 4. It's a neat opportunity for you as you uh, open your Bible to think about 1 Timothy. Uh, think about uh, chapter 4 in, in itself. As I was counting the things, we won't um, do all of these things this morning, but as I look at a passage of Scripture and I think about opportunity for me to be a son that honors my father, to be a good minister of the gospel, I can look through this passage of Scripture and I can pick out about ten things that Paul's going to encourage a young man, Timothy, and don't worry, I'm not going to do all ten this morning. So those of you that are concerned, I'm not going to do all ten. But it's neat, as I think about this passage of Scripture, I think about a word, and it's called faithfulness. Think about the opportunity that I have and the privilege I have to be the son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And then the other part of my life, I want to be able to know what my father wants from me. And so as I look at this passage of scripture, Paul tells Timothy, hey, some are going to fall away. Watch out for those deceiving spirits. Hold on to truth. Train yourself to be godly, Timothy. And Timothy, in the midst of a society, you will have to make a choice to choose a trustworthy statement. Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Timothy, your hope only comes through Christ. And so this morning as you look at this passage of scripture, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, you read these words. Command and teach these things. Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift which was given you through the prophetic message with the, board, with the body of elders that when they laid their hands on you. So here's some things as you um, leave this morning. You'll have an opportunity maybe later on this afternoon, uh, a couple weeks from now as your heart is stirring. God, what do you want from my life? What are some things that you're trying to encourage or develop in my life? And so this morning, as you look at this passage of Scripture, Paul's talking to Timothy. He says, command and teach these things. As I've been studying and reading, and just I realize that most of us do not like anyone to command us to do anything. We gather together, if I walk up to you and say, I want you to do this, or I command you to do this. There's something inside of all of us that the hair on the back of our neck will stand up. Depends where you are spiritually and your spiritual maturity, how you respond to that command. Uh, I won't do it, I promise. But it's interesting as I think about Paul and he's sharing with Timothy, he is saying to Timothy, really, he's prescribing, he's encouraging this group of believers. He's encouraging Timothy to teach. He's encouraging Timothy to say, here, here's some truth. And what's interesting is I, as I have a picture in my mind, sometimes it's easy to say, hey, here's truth. And I think that's important. That's one of the things that we get the opportunity to do is to share the truth of the Word of God. But I think it's also important for us to to partner with people and say, here's truth. It will set you free. Let's walk in this journey together. Never do I ever want us to be able to say, hey, this is what you should be doing. Anything that I'm sharing with you is something that I'm working on in my life. And I have people that are around me saying, hey, come along, young man. Hey, what about this? Think through this process. Hey, what have you ever thought about this? Hey, would you just keep going this direction? So as you look at Paul and you read the word command, you read the word teach, Paul's saying to Timothy, hey, there's some things that you need to say to this group of believers. 
And he'll point some more things out. But he's really saying to Timothy, Hey, Timothy, bring these people along with you. Reach out to them and say, Hey, come follow me. I'm going to follow Christ. You come follow me. It's really interesting as you think about teaching. That equals learning. But learning would change life means people's lives are different. And it's interesting. We're in a group in church in America. We know a lot of information. And it's easy to talk information. We want you to know biblical information. But we want the information to go from here down to here. We want lives to be changed because they came to know truth. This is how I'm supposed to live my life. This is what my father wants from me. And I can imagine, especially because what we know after this passage of Scripture, Paul saying to Timothy, Hey, Timothy, this is what I want you to do. Timothy, I want you to command. I want you to teach. I want you to encourage people to grow spiritually. Timothy, I want you to put your arm around somebody's shoulder and say, Hey, come walk with me. Don't have it all figured out yet, but we can walk together. We can learn together. We can grow together. Hey, Timothy, this is some... Timothy's probably telling some friends, hey, here's some truth that Paul gave of me. I'm still kind of wrestling with it, but I want you to follow me as I try to follow that truth. Something that you need to be aware of, and, and most of you have heard this passage of Scripture, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. But as an example to the believers, set an example. How is he supposed to do that? Speech, life, faith, purity. Timothy, probably about this point in his life, is probably around in his 30s. In that culture, to be a leader, you probably need to be in your 40s. So a young man is now being admonished by an older man, saying, hey, do this, command, teach. How many of you like to tell older people what to do? How many like to give older people advice? How many of you like when younger people give you advice? Imagine Timothy's soul as he wrestles with it. If I want to be a good minister, if I want to be, want my life to count for Christ, Paul's challenging me to do this. But God, I don't know. They're old. I'm just young. I, I, no, Timothy. Here's an opportunity for Timothy, as his age, won't argue, won't take a bullet over exactly how old he is. We know he's a young man in that culture. He's a young man as a leader. And Paul is saying to Timothy, as a leader, as a young man, Timothy... I want to encourage you to do some instruction. Now this is where it gets very interesting. He challenged Timothy with a lifestyle. He says to Timothy, this is what I want from you. In your speech, be an example. In your conduct, be an example. In how you love, be an example. In your faith, be an example. In your purity, be an example. Now, interesting, in your speech, be an example. I want you to take your Bible, because a lot of times in our speech, we think we do a pretty good job. But I want you to take your Bible and go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says to Timothy, be an example in your lifestyle, in your speech, 
And you read these words. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, each one of you must put, put off falsehoods, speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander among every form of malice. 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So Paul says to Timothy, Hey, I want you to be a leader. I want you to teach. I want you to, to encourage people to grow. But Timothy, what's going to be important for you as a young man is to say, Hey, set your life as an example. Timothy, make sure as you involved in speech, let these things come out of your mouth. Does anybody have the speech characteristic all figured out in their life? None of us do, do we? But it's an opportunity for us to say, I want to grow. I want to be different. Timothy could have just said, you know what? (laughs) I can be a good minister in another way. No, no, this is what his elder is saying to him. Paul says to Timothy, hey, be uh, an example in your speech, in life. Maybe I skipped that minute. pretty good (laughs) Paul says to Timothy I want you to be example in your speech I want you to be example in your life I think about life I think about this verse Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 Timothy with your lifestyle I want you to lay yourself on altar of sacrifice And do the things that bring honor to me. Timothy, I want you to be one of those people that's going to be willing to guard yourself and your mind and not buy into the lies of the world. And Timothy, how are you going to do that with your life? Timothy, you're going to have to spend time in the Word of God. Timothy, you're going to have to say, hey, I want to open the Word of God and say, you know what? I'm going to transform my mind by renewing it with the truth of the Word of God. Timothy, I want you to be example in your life. Timothy, I want you to be example in your purity, in your faith. Timothy, I want you to be an example, not just in your salvation, not just say, hey, yeah, Jesus, I want you to be part of my life. But Timothy, I want you to be confident. Timothy, I want you to rely upon. Timothy, I want you to trust. Timothy, I want you to be committed to your faith. And oftentimes as I think about my faith, when do I really figure out when I'm committed to my faith? When my life is wrong. When the budget doesn't work. When I get a phone call, you've got this C word. When so-and-so is mad at me, when this and that. Timothy, when those things happen in your life, we know Timothy's a believer, it's not a salvation thing. But Timothy, when life doesn't make sense, 
Timothy, when Paul comes to you and says, hey, this is what I want to be a good minister. Timothy, this is what's going to be required of you. Timothy's going to have to fall on his face and say, God, by faith, I'm just going to follow you. I wish we could have had a conversation with Timothy when he received the letter from Paul. And Paul, he's for the first time he's reading this, and he's thinking to himself, Paul wants me to do this? There's no way. Paul wants me to be, my life to be different? And I'm sure the first time that Timothy read that letter, he was overwhelmed. You know what would be interesting? 20 years later, after he read this letter, how much did Timothy's life change? How many more life circumstances did Timothy have to go so that his faith was deepened? So when the waters started to rise, there was something inside of Timothy. There wasn't a panic. There wasn't a nervousness. There wasn't a fear. There wasn't like, God, what are you doing? It's like, oh, come back to my faith. Timothy, in your society, I want to challenge you, period. I just wonder. I wonder what verse popped in Timothy's mind. Because, see, that's something that nobody knows about. That's an area that a lot of people can hide. That's an area that maybe your spouse or your parents or your grand maybe you may never even know. And I don't think Paul was really saying to Timothy, hey, Timothy, I mean, I know he doesn't want Timothy to be involved in an extramarital relationship. Timothy, I don't want you to be, I know that. And so a lot of times, what do we say? Oh, I'm pure, I haven't been involved with so-and-so. Well, I'm pure, I haven't done that. I haven't done anything outside of my marriage. But I think it's deeper, and I think it's a, it's a great verse as I put this next to mind is, is um, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. As, as Timothy's thinking about purity, I don't know this for sure, and, but it's interesting to me as I, as I look for a scripture that just challenges my own heart, I think about this one. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are those who are working on subjecting their hearts to their Savior. Purity. So as, as Timothy is sitting there reading this passage of Scripture, and I think about us today as a family. Some of you are older. Some of you are younger. All of us are going to be challenged this morning to live our lives teaching others to follow truth. All of us are going to give an opportunity to be an example to other believers in our speech, in our life, in love, in faith, and in purity. All of us get those opportunities. But when it comes to purity, What's really going on in your heart? What's the area where the Holy Spirit's saying to you, hey, I probably need to talk to you about this. Might want to share this with you. And this morning, I don't want us to be, and I've shared this with you before, I don't want us to be afraid here. God's not going to beat us up. He's not mad at us. But this morning, as, as you look at this passage of Scripture, And as you look at the opportunities for you to be an example in your life, 
in love and faith and in purity. I just recognized that I, I must have left a, note, a page out of my notes, so let me go back because I really want to talk to you about not only purity, I want to talk to you about love. And I think Paul is sharing with Timothy, when you and I read the word love, I want us to define the word love by 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And when we define the word love in our family, love is not a feeling. I don't have feelings for this anymore. And so if you have your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, you'll read these words. And so as Paul is sharing with Timothy in his own personal life to be an example to those who are around him, and he says the word love, I want us to always go back to this passage of Scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. And I think it's vital as a believer, as a Christ follower, that you read verse 11. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you don't stop at verse 8. You go down, drop down to verse 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put my childish ways behind me. That is critical for the church in America. It's critical for your marriages. It's critical for dating relationships. It's critical that we define love biblically. Self-sacrificing. Being willing to take care of our, our spouse or those who are around us. Timothy, that's how I define love. So in your life, Timothy, I want you to be an example in your speech, in life, in love, in faith. The way I define faith is this. Fully abiding in the Holy Scriptures. That's faith. For me to come to this book as a son and say, okay... This is what is expected of my life. Not pick the things I like. Not not pick the things that pick my lifestyle. What I'm looking at is, by faith, by this Holy Scripture, I read ten things at the beginning of 1 Timothy chapter 4 till we'll finish uh, 16 next week. But I see ten things that Paul's challenging Timothy to be a leader He's challenging Timothy. Timothy, if you want to be a good minister, here's some things that you are going to have to do. And I think it's vital for us to to know this. Please, don't ever live the Christian life in your own strength. It's not about you. It's not about what you do. You can't give yourself enough pet talks to be a self-sacrificing love for your spouse. You can't do it. But what you can do is when you wake up tomorrow morning, you open up your Bible and you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus, my life is nothing without you. 
Jesus, I'm choosing you today to give me strength to be the man or woman that you want me to be. Wonderful concept of that. It's Colossians chapter 1. You can go through and see the supremacy of Christ in Colossians. I mean, flip there with me. I'll just so you can see it. Colossians chapter 1. I won't go through all of it, but you get it. Paul wrote Colossians so that we can see that Christ was supreme. But here's what's really cool in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. You read these words. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We're asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. He's asking God that these believers would recognize God's will for them. And once they recognize those, that, that will, the wisdom, the knowledge, they will be willing to, to live their lives differently. It would lead to understanding. It would lead to life change. Verse 10. And if we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, may we please him in every good way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to what? His glorious might. So that you may have what? Great endurance. Where did the great endurance come from? The strengthening of his might. If you read on a little bit farther, don't you ever, ever get over the thought that you have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness. I don't know about you, but if I would, could stand up and say hallelujah and dance, I would do it. I don't ever want to get over the thought that my father loved me so much. That, hey, you know what? I want to rescue from this. I want you to no longer be part of that. Not only do I want to rescue, I want to empower you to be the son that loves me. I want to empower you to be the son that follows me. He gave me the strength. He gives you the strength. But what we have a tendency to do is to say, well, that, that verse is for so-and-so. Well, that verse is for so-and-so. No, no. Verse is for you first. It's for you first. So Paul shares with Timothy, back in 1 Timothy chapter 4, that he wants him to live a life of an example in his speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. He also encourages Timothy to ask in this, in this family or this, this church family, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Timothy, devote yourself to open the Word of God and read it on, 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 at your service time. Read the passage of Scripture. Exhort people to be willing to surrender to the truth of the Word of God. Teach people and encourage them to open their Bibles and say, Hey, what's the Word of God say for me? As I think about the word teaching, I think about this. Open Bibles in a small group of people that are willing to have open hearts. And when they walk out of that room, it's not just open hearts, open Bibles. But they will sit down and say, you know what, God? I surrender to you. You spoke to me today through the truth of the word of God. Through the public reading of scripture. Here's the truth. Here it is. Please don't just lead it for, oh, that's a great verse. Surrender. Please come to this book as you open it. Say, God, my heart is open to you. Once he speaks to you, don't close your heart. Surrender. No matter how much it hurts. No matter how angry you are. No matter how unfair it is. No matter how uncomfortable it is. I challenge you, as you read the word of God, 
as it's proclaimed to you, surrender your heart to him. As I think about the scripture, and I know you, you know this, it's 2 Timothy chapter 3. I just love the concept of Paul saying, hey, devote yourself to the reading of scripture. And then you read in 2 Timothy chapter 3 this. All scriptures God breathed and is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why is that so important? So that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If we don't surrender, we will not be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If we don't open, how will we know what we're supposed to do in order to surrender? If we don't open, who ends up being wounded the most. If you don't open up your Bible, and if you don't surrender to your Bible, the people that are closest to you will be wounded by you. If you open your Bible and you surrender to your Bible, guess what? The people that are closest to you, their lives will never be the same. Never. Paul shares with Timothy, another one of the things that he's going to encourage Timothy is do not neglect the gift of which was given through a prophetic message to the body of elders through the laying on of hands. Now this is where it gets really interesting, I think. I want you to think about something. I'm not asking you about your gifts or your talents. Okay? I'm asking you about your spiritual gift. Think about this with me. God gave Timothy... A spiritual gift. Some of us would say that was salvation. Yeah, I understand that. Salvation is by faith. It's a gift. Paul also wanted to remind Timothy that he had received a grace gift. What was that for? That was for so the people in a group like this would be blessed. Something's very interesting. And it's very easy and it's very comfortable to do this. Come to church, sit in your pew, you're here first hour, so you go across there, get your coffee and donuts, then you leave. Is that church? No. You've bought into the lie that you can be a consumer. Come here. Man, I just hope this is really good for me today. I just consume church. And you walk out of the doors and you know who's affected? Everybody else sitting in this building. Because every single one of you sitting in this building has a spiritual gift. Something that the creator of the universe gave to you for who? Our benefit. The question will be is, will you use your gift? Because you know what Paul could, Timothy could said, I'm just going to neglect that. It's too hard. I'm the younger person in this society. I really don't want to be the leader, so I'm just going to neglect the gift. No, Timothy, I just want to remind you that there's a group of men that gathered around you, laid hands on you and say, hey, Timothy, this is your spiritual gift. Go and do this. Were there times that Timothy wanted to throw in the towel and say, I don't want to be this anymore? I'm sure. But God had given Timothy a spiritual gift. To bless this church. To bless our lives today. So here's my question. What's your gift? Spend some time. Please take your Bible out this afternoon. 
I quoted to you, you know, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And, and it's a great passage of scripture as a living sacrifice. Why? Because in chapter 12, verse 4, he starts the spiritual gifts. And if you're going to be a living sacrifice, please go find your spiritual gift and use it. It's not a mystery. It's something that, that our Heavenly Father said, Hey, by the way, I want to give this to you so that you can exhort people, so that you can care for people, so you can give a gift, so you can encourage. Some of you have the gift of leadership. And you're like, God, I don't want a gift of leadership. I'd just rather go sit over here and work in this classroom and go on my life or go over here and just work at the Circle K. It'd be a lot easier, a lot less stress just working at the Circle K. Is it bad to work at the Circle K? No. I'm going to ask you something. Do you know your spiritual gift? If you don't, please ask the Lord to show you. Ask a friend. Open up the scriptures. Read. Romans chapter 12, 4 through 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 through 12. Read those spiritual gifts. And then please, come back here and use it. We need you. You know what normally happens in a building like this? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That means 80% of people sitting in this building have bought into the lie that Satan wanted you to just come to church, be the consumer, feel good, and walk out the doors. You ever thought about this? And I, I like to watch children. But there might be a five-year-old that needs you. And because you bought into the lie of consumerism, all this church is just about me. That five-year-old life will be affected by it. Or maybe if some of you, your gift is to care for people, to encourage people. But your life is so busy that there's a 75-year-old grandma sitting somewhere that's waiting to, to receive a note from you or a phone call from you, but huh, no, you're just too busy. So who suffers? 75-year-old grandma sitting in her house waiting for a note to say, somebody cared about me. And I realize it's, you're not, it's not, I don't want you to feel like, oh, well, then I'm just a failure because I didn't send a note to so-and-so. No, no. But it's important for us to stop and really think about it. What's your spiritual gift? And if you don't use it, who misses the blessing? You're going to miss the blessing, first off. But who's the second person, third person, fourth person? It's neat for me as, a, as an individual to come to this passage of Scripture. And as I look at chapter 4, I recognize that there are things there that are for me. And I'm excited about it. I recognize that there, you know, some of you might come up with 12 things. I've come up with 10 things. And, 
you know, I, we're not going to you know, argue about those, but as I look at this chunk of Scripture, I'm looking at myself saying, hey, what about this? Am I following any deceiving spirits? Am I holding on to the truth? Am I really training myself to be godly? Have I made that choice and continue to make that choice to trust this trustworthy statement that Jesus is the Savior? Am I going to encourage people that are around me? I'm not going to dictate it, but I'm going to encourage, am I going to encourage those who are around me? All of you have friends that we will never meet. And you know what's really easy to do? How's the weather? Where are you going to go shopping today? What's your favorite restaurant at Seabrink? Oh, Walmart's really bad. When you really have opportunities to say, what's God doing in your life? God showed me this today. And you get a chance to share it with somebody else. We've got opportunities. Every single one of you has somebody that is watching your speech, your life, your love, your faith, and your purity. Every single one of you have somebody. Every single one of you have opportunity to devote yourselves to the reading of Scripture. And every single one of us has opportunity to devote ourselves to things that really don't matter. All of us have the opportunity to use our spiritual gift. The question will be, what will you do with the truth of Scripture? What will you do with the list that Paul said to Timothy? Hey, Timothy, if you want to be a good minister of the gospel, here's a list, Timothy. Here's an opportunity for you to develop. Here's an opportunity for you to grow, Timothy. Which one of us will gather around the passage of Scripture that we read this morning in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6? Be confident of what? God's working in your life. Is it always going to be easy? No. Will it ever be fair? Absolutely not. But you'll have an opportunity to either say, God, I'm mad at you. Or God, I want to grow. God, this isn't fair. Or God... Would you do a healing in my life? Can you imagine anybody writing Philippians chapter 1 about you? Paul's saying to this group of believers, hey, we're thankful for your participation in the gospel. They were involved. Be confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete. Let him work. Here's where it gets difficult. The first king's passage. Will you be faithful? Will you step back and say, yeah, Lord, I want to be faithful to your words that you gave me, knowing that there's been generations of people that new truth, oh well, I don't really need that to be a part of my life. I prefer to live this way. And those who prefer to live this way, you know what happened to them? They suffered the consequences of a loving God. God loved them enough to send them some consequences for them to, to wake up. What about you? When you walk out of this building, oh well, it's just church. 
oh, well, it's just no big deal. Or are you going to walk out of this room saying, God, here's an opportunity to look at some things in my life, me and you, do a little self-inventory. God, where do you want to speak to me? Where's the Holy Spirit knocking on your life saying, hey, what about this? Walk out of here, please. Accept it. Say, God, let's go. Let's be involved. Let's grow. Let's be an example. Let's accept the truth. Hey, I'll be the, be the one. I'll follow you. Last verse. I know you all know it. But I pray that you'll wake up tomorrow morning and actually make this part of your life. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Young man will fall away. Those who wait on the Lord, you know what they'll do? They'll renew their strength. I know you're going to get tired. I know you're going to get discouraged. I know you're going to get frustrated. I know that the waters of your life are going to get so deep, you're going to say, God, I want to give up. Go back to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31 and say, God, renew my strength. God, I come to you today and say, God, empower me to be different. God, help me with my purity. God, help me live with my faith. God, help me love those who are around me. God, help me be devoted to speaking the truth of the word of God. God, help me use my gift. choice is yours. We can pray, we can jump up and down, we can pound on the pulpit if we want to, we can shout and scream, we can go crazy. It'll be your choice. I want you to just take a second and I want you to look at that cross. Knowing when you walk out of this building, you'll follow it or you won't. Know this, we'll walk out of here and we're going, we're going to sin tomorrow, this afternoon, we're going to sin. But there's only one person that can bring you back. There's only one person that can meet your deepest needs. There's only one person that can give you power to live differently. Go to him. Cry out to him for help. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to gather. Thank you for the word that you gave to Paul to Timothy and Lord, even though we might not like them, they might not be fair. They're way too hard to follow. But they were your words to us, so we accept them. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that we would surrender our lives and be obedient, and you would empower us to live our lives differently because we know truth, and we know truth will set us free. Because we know we have the Holy Spirit living inside us. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, No, Pastor Todd. I just maybe need to sit down and talk to somebody. Just pray a little bit. There's a group out at the back where you can come. I'll be over here on the side. We'd love just to pray with you. Maybe you're here this morning and this week has been rough. It's okay. Don't beat up yourself. Don't get mad at yourself. Don't excuse your actions. Just say, Jesus, I need, I need help from you today. I need some encouragement. Maybe you're this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that if you believe in him, you should not perish but have everlasting life. If you trust him, you say by faith, Jesus, 
I'm accepting your free gift of salvation. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, but the gift of God, not of works that no one should love. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Have you ever accepted free gift? Father, you know every heart sitting in this room. You know the ones that need to accept the free gift. You know the ones that need some encouragement. You know the ones that are playing games. So, Father, we give them to you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak deep into people's lives today, enough, deep enough so that their lives would actually begin to change, that they would surrender to you and to you alone, Jesus. Thank you for the privilege to gather as a family. Father, may you send us out as missionaries to our community. But as we go out, Father, please make us missionaries that represent or are willing to say the name Jesus. Make us good ambassadors for you this week, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.